Josh, we've got a pretty good journalist. I might, I would say, amazing journalist in Hannah Harrington joining us. And uh, thank you for joining us today. How are you? Good, thanks. I'd have been happy with pretty good, uh, let alone the, the bigger compliment. But no, I'm great. Thanks. How are you guys? Thanks for having me on. We're, we're going good. And I like we shouldn't. You shouldn't undersell yourself. Let's be real. In the press box, you're comfortably. I would say the best journalist in there, but that's just my opinion, you know? That's just me. Shots at Joey Lynch? No, no, no. Sh- no, no, no. The only reason I'm shots at Joey Lynch is because he's a cat man. Otherwise, maybe you would be even, you know? You can't, you can't support people who like cats. I'm going to be honest with you guys. Oh, I'll just leave. Them. Good to keep Joey's feet on the ground too, I reckon. You know, you've got to humble him. Um, well, Anna, the Matildas, 10 days, they go up against uh, the United States. They don't, have a pretty, they don't have a good track record against them. What do you think is the key for them to hopefully maybe turn it around and get another win? I mean, defensive showings are always going to be the question over the Matildas, how strong they can be defensively. It's a really interesting time for, for both teams, especially the US. The squad they've brought out is very young, um, a lot of fringe players as well. They've left a lot of the big names. Think you Sam Mewis, Megan Rapino, Alex Morgan at home. Uh, they want to test some players. They want to see who's ready to go. And it's almost a, a perfect lead-in for the Matildas heading into the Asian Cup because obviously players who don't have a consolidated spot, they're hungry. I was talking to Steph Catley about this as well. They're out to prove a point. They're hungry for a spot. So we should get a really good intensity. Um, it should really be a good chance to get that first win over them since 2017, which is still the only time they've beaten the US. It's very much take advantage of this home crowd. They're aiming for a record crowd in Sydney. Um, pretty relatively close to full strength Matildas. I think the main query is over Alana Kennedy, who picked up a thigh injury. Um, weirdly doing, I think, the the extra top-up runs um, after a Man City game the other week, but she has flown into camp. So I guess we'll wait and see. It's They should be entertaining games, to say the least. It's a, it's a good chance to get that victory. But, I mean, the main thing they'll want is to get real preparation ahead of, as I said, January's Asian Cup. What do you think of some of these selections here? Obviously you said almost uh, full strength, but there are a few wild cards, a few bolters, uh, like Jessica Nash, uncapped. Uh, what do you think of those players uh, making the cut? Yeah, um, Jess Nash is a is an interesting one. I think the main thing they'll be hoping for, and we saw Charlie's role as well, called in, is to give those players who they probably rate as future um, Matildas, unless they absolutely light it up in training this week, I think it'll be more about giving them a taste of the experience. We've seen 12 debutantes already this year. But, you know, we've seen Briley Henry make a few appearances and she stayed in the squad. But they're very sort of cameos. I think they want to see, you know, what sort of medal some of these kids have and, It gives them a taste. They go away. They know what to expect. They know what level they have to reach because often it can be such a shock going from W League or young Matildas to the senior level and they get get that taste of experience and there's really no better way to to do it than on home soil as well. They're comfortable, not too far from family. They can try and make an impact. Do you think there's anyone who's been hard done by not getting a chance? I mean, we just spoke to Melina Ayres before. She's not still on the line anymore, so you can say what you think. But uh, (laughs) do you think she's been unlucky to miss out? It's tough, isn't it, when you've got so many forwards and they, they've clearly been very happy with what Remy Seamson's done. I'd like to see Melina get a call-up at some point and you'd have to think if she has another big W League season, backs up, she'd have to come into the frame. I've seen a bit of talk about Alex Chidiak, but um, I think the in, the interesting thing with Chidiak, she's not really playing a whole lot in Japan. She's not played a lot of football over the last few years. And I know that we're opening on our end in terms of a bubble with Japan, but if she came, played went back, she'd have to quarantine again. I think she's done something like six weeks' worth of hotel quarantine in two years. So imagine there's a level of a balancing act there too. 
Um, yeah, I think also maybe there's a level with Melbourne Victory will probably be quite happy that one of their key players is going to be sticking around for this week as well, that Courtney Nevin and Kara Cooney Cross are both heading off to Matilda's camp. You've got Melina there who's going to be a real focal point of their forward line again. But, yeah, I think Melina Rez is probably a good shout, but she's the sort of player that if she can back up what she did last year, they'd have to start thinking about it because we know she's a goal poacher. She can score goals from just about anywhere. And last season we saw her start to round out her game. So it's not necessarily a bad thing to keep players hungry, though, um, Josh. We saw Claire Wheeler had a good W League season, was well, that A League women's season, didn't get called up went over to Denmark, had a really good stint with Fortuna Curing, where she's playing really well now, called up consistently in squads now. So it'll be interesting to see, um, yeah, if the if we see more come up maybe after the Asian Cup. But, yeah, not not too many hard done by when a lot of players are fit and ready to go, I think. You mentioned Chidiak there. I feel so sorry for her because she's gone across to Japan and they're playing her at left wing back if they're playing her at all. And then she's being left out of squads on the bench. I mean, we've all seen Chids play. <laughs> I don't know how they thought they were signing a left wing back, but uh, she's just had so many moves uh, that have gone wrong for her. I mean, the Atletico Madrid thing was very much hyped and, and she uh, was playing at a very good club, but she barely got any first-team football. And now this to the, the Wii League in Japan, it just seems like bad timing on, you know, essentially not the eve of a, a Women's World Cup, but have to start getting in the mix if you want to make it. Well, and she had that shocking injury as well when she was over in Spain too. So she was playing catch-up a bit. She had a really good time, um, as we saw with Melbourne City last season. Um, but it's difficult. And you look at how many um, players are in the mix now. Kyra Cooney-Cross is arguably, um, well, not even arguably, I think has uh, leapfrogged her in the pecking order quite comfortably. And we've seen Claire Wheeler get a chance recently. And clearly there's the incumbents as well. So hopefully she can... Um, yeah, turn things around because we know the class she has and she's a, a great person as well. So fingers crossed we start to see a few things uh, really go right for her. Do you think it's she might need to come back to Australia or even have a look at, um, over, look at European opportunities again to regain a little bit of confidence in her play to make it back into the midfielder squad? Maybe. I mean, I can't speak for her. Like, it clearly worked um, last year in the sense that she did get back into those Matildas training squad. Amy Harrison, another one who's been overseas but isn't cracking into the squad at the moment. It's It does seem to work for some players to come home and then go to, say, Scandinavia. Um, but, I mean, I can't speak for, for Chids and what's best for her. Um, she, if she's enjoying what she's doing in Japan and feeling like she's getting something good out of it, then it might work in her favour and... Yeah, it might, it, things might work out in the long run. The good thing is she's still young. Like She's got a lot of football left in her. So, yeah, we'll see her at some point, I'm sure. Well, with, with Tony G as the at the helm, it looks like the Matildas are playing decent football but not out of this world and they're sometimes look, looking a little bit weak defensively. Do you think this uh, game against the United these two games against the United States, he will mix it up even with Alana Kennedy potentially not playing? It'll be interesting, won't it? Because we saw against Brazil reverting to that 4-3-3, which just releases Ellie Carpenter and Steph Catley to do what they do best. And as I said, I was speaking to Steph about that um, the other day and she was just, for, for AOP, she was just relishing getting back up and down, bombing down that left-hand side. And we know what Ellie can do on the right. I think they, they've been testing out a few things. Like they had to really shore things up centrally at the Olympics, as we saw when they tucked in Ellie into that into that back three. They're testing out a few different things. Um I think they'd all agree that they don't want to concede goals as easily as they have at times. Um, 
but I think that's going to be a whole a whole team thing. Um, I think what they've talked about is very much about defending, sorry, defending from the front and letting that sort of go through the team. But you're not, you're not going to get a more difficult opposition in that sense in the US because they're so fit, they're so physical. Um, you've got a lot of players, as I said, that are very hungry and keen to prove a point, especially forwards when you've got some of their key names and even your Malpus and that not travelling. It's a, it's a really good chance for some of their players to stake a bit of a claim. And it's it's going to be a really good test. It's it's going to be very a couple of very very interesting games, I reckon. Mary Fowler, discuss. I mean, she's wowed us all. But what is her best position? Does anybody know? Does she know? Josh, I know. I said it. I said it after the Olympics. You I did. did say. I just want to know. I did say it. Okay. What, what did? You, what's your argument? Go she, on. I think she should be playing as a number ten in the midfield and just pushing pushing the play because I think she she's a great facilitator and I think it allows us to release Sam Kerr and Caitlin Forb up up front, you know, and it just gives us a little bit more freedom. It's, it's kind of like a blessing in disguise, isn't it? Like, I don't have to have the selection headache. It's, it's like, honestly, like, she's so young. Um, it almost feels like they don't need to specialise her. Like, she's grown into playing in the midfield. And the thing that they've been really impressed with, that Tony's been really impressed with, that he's talked about, um, is how uh, Mary Fell and Kara Cooney-Cross falls into this category as well, has really improved her defensive running. And it's the little things that really top-class players learn. And that's something you obviously have to do if you're playing as a top forward, but also as a midfielder, you have to be able to do all those runs. You have to do the defensive track. And she's getting that all right. But... Yeah, we've seen a couple of the balls that she can put through creatively are fantastic, but then she can finish so well as well. So it's kind of, it's, it, I, I mean, I don't know what to do with her. You can just kind of play her where you feel, I guess, and we'll see where she develops. So it's good to have that flexibility knowing she can play sort of anywhere as a forward. Obviously, Sam Kerr is going to be the main forward, but they seem to have started to work together really well and started to understand each other's games. And we saw her, her goal, the header that Emily Van Egmond picked her out. And, you know, when you play her forward, you can release Van, you know, when Van Egmond's released to play in that creative midfielder role, you can have Fowler getting on the end of them. So there's so many options. Like it's just exciting. It, it makes it unpredictable. It gives you options. And I don't have the answer to where her best position is. I think you just take advantage of the flexibility you've got and, as she gets older and matures and, you know, like finds what her actual places are, I'm sure the answer will actually come to us rather than trying to maybe lock her into one spot or another. I'm I'm on board with her playing her in the midfield, at least while, you know, Chidiak's not in the picture, while Katrina Gorey's not in the picture, because having that creative midfielder who can spot those passes, I think is really important. And maybe uh, we have forwards who can run onto those passes, but, uh, don't have that many players who can pick them out, especially with uh, Kyra Cooney cross playing in this new deeper role, this number six position. Well, the thing as well that we've got for these USA games is Hayley Razo's back. Mm. And she, she had that shoulder injury. And she basically came off the bench and scored a couple, assisted a couple, just set the game alight the other day. And I think people have almost forgotten what she can bring as well in terms of that hard running, hard pressing. I think Tony Gustafson said she's their best defensive forward in terms of pressing from the beginning and that's so invaluable and when you've got more players who can have play a role like that like you say you can pick and choose a bit where you want Mary Fowler to play but she seems to be thriving in this mix of playing a bit in the midfield a bit up forward and it's it's really exciting to see the way that her her development is being carefully handled at Matilda's level um I remember Tony saying to me before the Olympics that 
players like Kyra and Mary, because they're young, you don't want to put too much responsibility on them. You kind of want to just let them go out there and play and sparkle and do the, you know, do their thing and make an impact in their own way. And I think that seems to be the right way to approach it because she's certainly showing plenty so far. Well, speaking of Hayley Razzo, she's not the only Australian doing well in the FAWSL. Her, Sam Kerr, Mackenzie Arnold all made it into the FAWSL Team of the Week. How do you see the Aussie Aussie play in the FAWSL this season? I mean, it's it's a Sam Kerr show, isn't it, really? Like, she's just been fantastic. we're, We're in a fortunate position, I think, compared to last season in the sense that Last year, we really saw Sam and Caitlin Ford take centre stage. And also, um, Emily Van Egmond was very good for West Ham. But this year, it's been really good seeing Steph Catley fit and firing. Um, Mackenzie Arnold's an interesting one because she um, obviously is almost seemingly always on the fringe with the Matildas. She was very unlucky last camp where she um, tested positive for COVID-19 and had to miss the last game. And she's thankfully okay now. But she, she smashes it for West Ham. She's regularly... Regularly, I think one of the best goalkeepers in the FAWSL, very good shot stopper. She seems very confident and assertive, and I think that's probably the confidence of knowing you're the number one goalkeeper as well. So hopefully we can see her maybe start to translate that into pushing pushing again with the Matildas because I think Tegan Mark is probably the one we're more likely to see in these friendlies because she's over injuries. But the more we can have those goalkeepers pushing each other, the better. I mean, Sam Kerr is just kicking on from what she did last year, isn't it? Like, we're not really surprised to see that. I don't think he... She's not the sort of player that you can just figure out because in that Chelsea system, they've got so many good players and they link up and they combine. And if she's not, you know, scoring the goal, she's providing it. She's not just a one-trick pony. So it's exciting. I mean, I think we expected these players could could do the thing again and... I mean, they are. Like I said, Catley's the one that probably excites me the most because she had such a bad run with injuries Anna, last come on, year. Come on, Anna. That's what I'm talking about. That's all I want to hear. I want to talk about these Arsenal players. Steph Catley, I, I just want to be said, last season Arsenal, you know, it was a it was an iffy season. I think her coming back from injuries really opened up Arsenal's plan. I think it's a really big reason why we are sitting top of the table and why we could potentially um, win the league, especially why we've got Manum... I know sometimes you don't watch the FAWSL. Shame on you, Josh. But she's really slotting back when Steph Catley's going forward and it's really opened up Arsenal's play. I've got to ask about Mackenzie Arnold, though. Is Tegan Mike had an amazing season with City last season. She's almost leapfrogged Mackenzie in a way. Is there a way for Mackenzie to become the number one option? Because Lydia's not really playing for Arsenal that frequently unless we're playing the Champions League, which I think her role may decrease as we go further into the competition. Is there a way for Mackenzie to get maybe that number one or even solidify that number two spot? Oh, definitely. I think there's no doubt about that. They, Tony's not been very reluctant to refer to anyone as the number one goalkeeper. Um, I think we saw Tegan Micah clearly earn that mantle during the Olympics, but she's had a, some injuries and stuff since, so we've not seen her feature. I mean, based on club form, Mackenzie Arnold has been fantastic. I think... I, again, I can't speak for her, but if she can find some confidence and consistency when she does put on the national team shirt, that may help. I think it's, it is, as we know, it's difficult for, for goalkeepers when you're the number two or the number three and you don't know when you're going to play. And then when you do play, you feel like you've got to prove something. It's very different to just being the number one at your club where you know you're the number one and you've got that ingrained confidence. I mean, she's clearly in our top three goalkeepers at the moment. I don't think she's getting overtaken in that sense. And she's still very young, like, you know, mid-20s. 
there's no reason why she can't still keep herself in contention. The good thing about all three goalkeepers is they all have very different strengths. So it's um it's quite exciting in that regard. I think for mine, if if fit, Tegan Michael would be the one I want to see, just because we haven't seen her really since the Olympics. Um but I mean, there's no reason why Arnold can't be the number two. But as I said, Tony seems very keen on not putting them in a numerical order as such. So I guess we'll see. We may well see two goalkeepers in the two games. That wouldn't surprise me either. I want to talk about the other end of the pitch. Sam Kerr obviously on fire for Chelsea, playing in this sort of Chelsea super team uh, where she's the the end point of all that good work. Should she be playing a slightly different role for the Matildas uh, given that don't quite have the star power around her in this national side. You know, see it a lot with with players playing in different position for their national team or a slightly different role, um, you know, when they go to international football. I feel as if Sam Kerr, in, in some of these games, we've seen her a little bit isolated, uh, too many long diagonal balls heading her way, too much of a reliance on crosses and her ability in the air and not enough of her collecting the ball and running at defenders. Could we see a little bit more rotation in the forward line, a bit more coming deep so that we can actually get Sam Kerr involved against the US? I think we saw in the Brazil games um, that we didn't have that much of a hit and hope. I think that's where when you have a player like a Van Egmond that we saw come on and have a big impact, or if you've got someone in that creative midfield role, Mary Fowler, as you mentioned before, putting in good balls, players like Catley and Carpenter getting free and being more natural in terms of delivering the ball, that helps. Caitlin Ford, Hayley Razzo, mentioned Fowler before, being players that can play off her helps. Um, I don't think they want to have Sam Kerr isolated and have tired players putting in crosses to her. I certainly don't think that's the plan. It's interesting. Sometimes she plays really well when she cuts in. She has a background as a winger initially, cuts in, takes on players one-on-one, and she can be really dangerous doing that. And we see that sometimes with the Matildas when they sort of overlap and have those different sorts of runs, and that can work quite well. I don't think we need to go... all in on a different role for her because she's one of the best strikers in the world. It's just getting all the pieces working at the same time. And, you know, we saw what I mentioned before about more solid defence, but letting uh, Catley and Carpenter go up and down. If you've got Ford available, if you've got Fowler available, Razo available, you can start to gel things a bit more. And that's, that's one of the things, I mean, Tony said, Hayley Razo might not play too much in these games and Emily Gionic even less because she had an injury as well. But it's about getting them up to speed and seeing them all link up and play together. And I mean, Kerr scored six goals in the Olympics, so she's not she's not struggling to score at national team level. So I, I don't think there needs to be a change of role. I think it's just getting it right more so than anything. It's the execution, right? It's very easy to say. Like mm. the plan seems to be there, but it's making sure the execution is. Well, the Aussies abroad are doing amazing. The A League women's season is starting in just five days, if I'm not mistaken. What are your thoughts on the upcoming season? It's just exciting to have it back, isn't it? It's it's going to be interesting how it goes with expansion. I haven't seen a whole lot of the new Wellington team, but it is good the more, you know, it'll be good the more teams we get coming in where you've got the A-League men and the A-League women teams um, that are associated. You don't just have these gaps. Um, it, it's going to be good. It'll be really, I'm really interested to see how Melbourne City um, turn up this year. We saw them beat, they beat Melbourne Victory in a, pre-season friendly, but, you know, friendlies are friendlies and they're pre-seasons, pre-season. I struggle to see who's going to beat Melbourne Victory. I just think they've got a really, really strong lineup. Sydney FC are always thereabouts. Brisbane have lost a few players. 
I th- it's quite impressive to me that Victory have maintained the majority of their squad. They lost Angie Beard, obviously Lisa Devanna's um, gone as well, but they replaced Beard with Courtney Nevin, the perfect, almost perfect, like-for-like replacement. They've had this team training together for months. It, it just seems like if any team is very well prepared to do back-to-back, it's Victory. But... There's always surprise packets in the W League, or sorry, the A League women. I'm still getting uh, the right. two coins in the. <laughs> this is why you call it the dub. Exactly the dub. So I call it dub. We've got a swear jar going here, by the way. I, I don't you've know. I guess two, you've, you've put two. Oh, Anna, you put two coins in there. Come on, you've got to be better. You've got to be better. The A League women or the dub. Um, it's yeah. There's always surprise packets. You always see a team come up out of nowhere and make a big impression. Camera always going to be dangerous when you've got players like Michelle Heyman. Um, Adelaide have seemed to be very switched on of late and they're still looking for that first final spot. It's going to be exciting. Like, I'm keen to see it all come together. And, yeah, it's I'm, I'm excited for the season. Double headers. Uh, is, it's a hot topic amongst women's football fans in Australia. I like them because I just see in the press box, it just makes it easier for journalists to file on both games to get more coverage. Uh, but, you know, there are some uh, W League, former W League, now A League women's fans who are not so keen on them. Uh, what's your view on the, on the double header? Because Victory are going all in on double headers this season. I mean, it's, it's a, you can take a bit from both sides, can't you? You can understand why people who have been A-League women or W League fans for years love the culture and atmosphere and environment that they've built up at games. Um, but the flip side of that is if you have double headers and you have them at good grounds, Amy Park is a great ground. And um, Kayla Morrison, the new captain, did a presser the other day and she basically said as much like they deserve to be playing at good grounds, top-tier facilities. You're going to, even if it's only a handful comparatively of the A-League men crowd that come early, it still often tends to be bigger crowds than you have at some standalone games. Better facilities, as you say, much better coverage. It's much easier to go to two, you know, an A-League women and A-League men game back-to-back than it is to head out to Epping, for example. A lot easier to justify coverage. Um, Not that you should have to justify covering the women's competition, but you can do both both games back-to-back. It's, it seems to be the way we're going. And the other thing that it makes me wonder is we're hosting a Women's World Cup in less than two years. Um, the A-League women is our showcase. That's our top women's league. You want to be showing that it's being played in good stadiums, that there's good facilities, the players are being looked after. Um, you can't really have cow paddock pitches. <laughs> you have to have good pitches. You have to have good opportunities, good broadcast um, quality for, for these players and to, I guess, showcase this product to the world. So it's, it is interesting. I, I empathise with people who miss going to the dub for the dub. And I think there will be some teething issues in terms of how that affects things like memberships and those sorts of things um, because not everyone wants to go to both games, for example. But mm-hmm. it does seem like it's the direction that we're heading. So pros and cons, but hopefully it can be made into a net positive. Speaking of Kayla Morrison just before, now Anna, I want to start a campaign to get her on the Matilda squad. That's that's my goal. That I is think my you're going to have to lobby the Australian government first. That is my life first. ambition, okay, <laughs> at this point, yeah. And what do you think my chances are of convincing her, you know, it's time to get the green and gold and ditch the red, white and blue? Well, I mean, she's working towards her permanent residency. She said that at Opressor the other day. So you'd have to think that... I'm not sure exactly what the situation is in terms of FIFA rules and how much they can rush through citizenship, the Australian government. We've seen it happen with athletes I'll before. I'll to Canberra myself if I have to. Because <laughs> I don't think she has Australian heritage. It would be, um, yeah, 
purely, you know, change of nationalities and FIFA perspective. I mean, if she was eligible, she'd be a fantastic candidate to call up. Arguably the best centre-back in the, in the A-League women. She's a leader. She's only 25. She can marshal a defence, likes to run with the ball. Yeah, I'd be on board with that. Yeah, see, Just I have to make sure that the paperwork is too. I hear no negatives and only positives. You see, that is what the A-League women's season is going to be. And that is what when we do eventually get her on the show, we will have an Australian flag here, okay? We'll have a video montage of all the reasons why she should be in Matildas. And she can take her citizenship oath while she's in the studio. Absolutely, that, okay? We'll get, we'll, we'll get it. We'll get, I don't know who we have to get, okay? But we will get it done, okay? Okay, all right. This is the priority this season. It's no longer a radio show. It's no, now no, no. just a, a lobby group. It's, it's a We're fan getting... club. Get uh, get Peter, Dut- Peter Dutton on the line and see what he can exactly exactly <laughs> now. And before we let you go, uh, I'm going to make an ambition to ask everybody who comes on, who are two players that you think any fan of the W League or A League W? Swear jar. I know, I know. I'm sorry. We need a sound uh, should be <laughs> should be looking out for. Oh, uh, under pressure. Um, oh, sorry, I apologize. Top of the no, dome. No, who comes okay. to mind? Who's who's exciting you? I mean, yeah, I can't cheat and say Kara Cooney Cross can I because I saw her last season. No, I'm really excited to see Courtney Nevin at Melbourne Victory because we've seen her play for the Matildas as glimpses. I just think she's got so much potential and it's going to be really exciting. And another player, I think Briley Henry, she's playing for the Wanderers, right? Like what sort of confidence do you get from getting your first call-ups at such a young age? Like, surely you can only kick on from there and try and make a real impact in the season to come. So, yeah, I think I think those two, on a like a non-young player basis, I'll be interested to see how Hannah Wilkinson goes at City, the New Zealand international, and obviously Stoddy. So there you go, I've got four players. I want to see Rebecca Stott come Thank back you. and make a big see, impact. Anna's out here. She's got the name. She said she was under pressure, but she just, she kept listening. If we gave her 20 more minutes, she would have listed off every A-League W star there is. Um, Josh, do you have anything else to ask our amazing guest today? Not really. I mean, what's your score prediction for, for the first USA-Australia game? Oh, go with the the ever boring score prediction of two one to the Matildas. We're due a we're due win, due a win against them. So it's a young squad. It's, the, it's a young squad. It's um young USA. You know, they've squad, had to, they've had to do young USA squad. They've had to do the travel. I think our girls are a bit more used to that. We'll see, but yeah, you can't you can't go against can't go against the Matildas, and it, there's no time like the present to turn that winning record around. Well, do you reckon they'll ever decide to let us play a game in Victoria? Because that's all I'm waiting for. I don't want to play, play. Like, I would love to see the Matildas, but, you know, I don't want to go up to Sydney, you know. Are they going to let them come down to Victoria? One day. Maybe not until the World Cup. So. It hurts my feelings. Well, Anna, thank you for coming on with us. And uh, we'll be sure to have you again because, you know, you, you know your stuff but better than I do. I'm, I'm not, no offence, Josh. Anna knows more than the Come on. Yeah, fair enough. So thank you for joining us, Anna, and uh, we'll have you on next time. Thank you for the compliments, and I'll have to find a way to uh, pop a couple of dollars into the um, A-League women's swear jar. But, no, thank you for having me, and, uh, yeah, looking forward to the Matildas games. Thanks, Anna.